You need more peace, assurance, and power in your life. You need to hear God's voice clearly and receive his guidance. We all do. And you'll find all of this and more on Elevate the Day podcast. Each week, you'll get practical tips on how to grow your relationship with God, develop a habit of daily Bible reading, and apply its wisdom to live life as an overcomer in Jesus. Are you ready to start? Let's go. Today's episode of the Elevate the Day podcast is brought to you by the new Elevate the Day 365-day devotional. Karen and I have written this inspiring and encouraging book to help you learn to hear God's voice and follow his promptings, get his perspective on the challenges you face each day, understand his plan for you and receive all his covenant blessings, and live the abundant life Jesus died for you to have. You can read a free sample and get your copy today at elevatetheday.com or karensalesbury.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Elevate the Day. My name is Jennifer Cavello, and I am here with my co-host, Karen Salisbury. Hey, everybody. So we're excited to have Pastor Artie Kasimis back on our show. He was one of our first guests um, way back when, and um, Pastor Artie recently took an amazing trip to Egypt. We're going to chat with him a little bit more about that today. So welcome to the show, Pastor Artie. Thank you. It's great to be here. So um, Pastor Artie and his wife Janice have, um, are the founders of Word Alive Church in Norwalk, Connecticut for almost 30 years about, I think this uh, next year will be uh, 27, 28 years. 28. Wow. And so. 28 um, years. Wow. So recently you took an amazing trip to Egypt and um, you were teaching and preaching. And so tell the listeners a little bit about why you even went and, and what did you learn while you were there? Sure. So I was there about seven years ago and it, it happened when I was there last time it was just after the Arab Spring when the Islamic Brotherhood came in, took over, you know, all the different Middle Eastern countries. Uh, there was a lot of upheaval and um, when I went there last time I couldn't bring my Bible. Uh, we had to have Bible school. Rama Egypt was in the desert in a farm, in a house, in a farm, in a desert. <laughs> so uh, everything was kind of underground. Uh, I had to lie on my visa and say I was just a tourist and going to go look at the pyramids. Uh, so things like that. So ever since I was there, my heart really went out to the people because uh, here's they're living under this oppressive um system religious system and government where they can't freely worship god like we can and it and it it really spoke to move me uh the fact that we can do it here and there's so many christians that don't take advantage of it so many are just not really exercising not just our freedom to worship but our authority in this earth as a church. And one of the girls there, when I was there seven years ago, she came up to me, she was a young girl in her twenties. And she said, uh, pastor, can you pray for me? And I asked her why. And she said that uh, her father was out because she was a Muslim and had converted to Christianity. And she, she said she, her, they took her papers her you know, license, oh, wow. passport, everything. So she really couldn't roam around the country at all. 
And she said, if he finds me with his friends, he's going to kill me. And he's also going to kill you, you too, because you're teaching me. Oh. Uh, so that really, uh, I mean, you want something to stick with you. Uh, that really stuck with me since then. And I just had a heart for them, for the saints, you know, their, their family, their brothers and sisters in Christ, and, and they're really contending for the faith in a place where their faith is not welcomed. Mm -hmm. So ever since then, I've always wanted to go back. And in March, this past March, uh, Rick Martin, the director of Rama Egypt, uh, I ran into him and he asked me if I can go back. And he gave me a list of classes. And when I saw eschatology was one of them, I was all in. <laughs> so um, that's why I really felt I needed to go back. So for our listeners who don't know what eschatology is, can you define that for us? So eschatology is the study of the end times, which includes the whole timeline, actually, from the beginning of the Garden of Eden uh, all the way to the cult of our basic history on the earth, so to speak, or the devil's uh, Satan's rule on the earth uh, till the tribulation. When Jesus comes back for the rapture and he comes back, uh, after the tribulation for uh, to step foot and take over for a thousand years. So it's the, you know, the book of Daniel, the book of Ezekiel, you, I mean, you name it. And of course, the book of Revelation. Of so course. I'm a kind of a, a, an end times nut. So it was right up my alley. Uh, and he told me, he said, I really don't have anybody to teach it, to do it justice. So I said, I, I'm, I'm in. Wow. So what were some of the, the key things that you taught? And, and was any of it a revelation to them that maybe they didn't know? Uh, actually, a lot of them. Well, here, here's the thing about the Christians in Egypt. Uh, because the, the, the church as we know it, the believing church, the Christian church, it, it really isn't uh, sanctioned much there. The, the Coptic Christian church is big in, in the uh, world of, of a Christian you know, because it's 90% Muslim and 10% Christian. And that 10% Christian is mostly Coptic Christian. So there's a lot of Eastern Orthodox religion in there. There are born again believers like us that are there, but it's not big. Mm -hmm. So uh, their doctrine is not solid. Mm -hmm. um, some of them that I taught, they still, they thought they believed in purgatory. And I had to, you know, kind of unravel a lot of things while I was teaching in times, you know, specifically when, you know, when it comes to the rapture, you know, you believe in Christ, you know, you're born again, you know, you pretty much have a ticket out, so to speak. Um, uh, and I didn't want to debate, you know, pre-trib, mid-trib and all that. Um, but they thought that you had to go to purgatory first. Uh, others never knew Jesus was coming back. So for them, you know, they really needed solid doctrine. They need teaching out there. Mm. Um, and so that was, you know, a lot of what I taught. And the role that Egypt played, you know, as I went through the timeline from the very beginning to the end, the role that Egypt has played is it really boggles the mind. Because if you think about it, Egypt protected uh, Jacob and, and his 12 sons. They mm -hmm. fed them. Um, you know, shelter, you know, and they stayed longer than they should have. And that's why, you know, they got into slavery and all that. Uh, but Egypt also protected Jesus, yeah. you know, Jesus, Joseph and Mary, right? They said uh, uh, the angel came to them in a dream and he said, go to Egypt. Mm -hmm. And according to the Egyptians, 
they're proud of that, that they protected Jesus and they claim for three years. Mm. And, and they're not, and I'm saying pride, not like, you know, exalted pride, but they, they have this self appreciation that their mm. people protected the savior for years wow. from Herod. Mm. Wow. So, you know, those are things that the Christians there really hold deep in, in their faith. Um, other things that I learned is, uh, uh, remember how in, in, in the Acts chapter 10, when Peter had a vision to go to Cornelius's house mm-hmm. and preach the gospel to the Italianos? Well, the well, the same thing happened when Peter was in Rome. Uh, the Egyptians told me the story that Peter had a vision. It's not in the Bible, but this is according to their records, that Peter had a vision while he was in Rome. He was with Mark that God wanted to evangelize Egypt to bring the gospel to Egypt. So Mark raised his hand and said, I'll go. And he traveled across the Mediterranean, landed in Alexandria, Egypt. And in the process of doing so, as the story goes, that his sandal strap broke. So when he got to Alexandria, he went to a a shoemaker, a leathersmith, Mm -hmm. and he preached the gospel to the leathersmith and he got saved. And he is regarded as the first Christian in Egypt. And from there it exploded. Egypt, uh, Christianity exploded throughout Egypt and it became a Christian nation. Um, And so those are things that St. Mark's, the church of St. Mark is the biggest Christian church in Cairo in all of Egypt. And they revere Mark. He's, you know, the the Christian church reveres Mark because he brought the gospel to them. And as you know, later on, you know, Mark was persecuted um, and they, they tied him up to a chariot and they pulled him through the streets and, you know, he died by being dragged through the streets, um, Alexandria in Egypt. Um, but um, it's those things are fascinating. Uh, the other thing I learned was about 200 BC, where we went in Alexandria, we were by where uh, the lighthouse was, the one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. And where we were standing underneath was a room where the Septuagint was translated, oh, right wow. there in Alexandria. And the lady told us, the tour guide told us this, that um, I forget who the king was. I think it was either Ptolemaeus I, but he sent to Israel, he sent word that he wanted six people from every tribe to come and translate uh, the Old Testament into Greek. So that's 72 people. Two people got sick on the way and 70 made it. Oh, wow. So that's why it's called Septuagint, Septuagint in 70. And so, and they did it in 70 days. They oh translated gosh. the whole Old Testament and, and, and the Greek, the Septuagint is regarded as probably the closest to the original Hebrew. So everybody, you know, bases their translation off of the Septuagint, but it was translated right there, right underneath our feet. Wow. So Egypt has a great history. And when it comes to our faith, it's it's like um, you can start putting all the pieces together historically and mapping them all back to each part of um, the, the story of Jesus, how the gospel started being shared, 
And it's pretty cool. I mean, I, I'm just a, a lover of when puzzle pieces come together and stories come together. So I would have been the person in the in the audience saying, what about this and what about that? <laughs> so yeah, I was you know, sucking it all in. Uh, yeah. And yeah. you know, we, we had gone after Alexandria, I taught in Alexandria for a couple of days, did a church service there, then we traveled to Cairo. Um, and we had one day off in Cairo, we went to the museum in Cairo. And there's, uh, there's the whole, um, they do it by era, like 4,500 years ago, uh, 2,500 BC, they start and they show you the relics and then the mummies and then the pharaohs. As we're going through all the pharaohs, I'm, time, I'm kind of putting a timeline together of, all right, this guy was pharaoh when was there, this guy was for when Joseph was there. You know, so you, you now you can place a person, you know, you have this guess, and you have something in the Bible that you can kind of relate to. So that will, and there was a, a, a pharaoh there, I think it was King Thuya, I think that was his name. They claim he was the am in charge of the uh, entire, entire Egypt as the governor. Wow. And his body was still there, his sarcophagus. Wow. So it's pretty neat. It's kind of neat, but a little creepy at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, what was, you know, I'm sure it's on your heart to go back there again. um, But, um, you know, what was one thing that you want people to know about the people of Egypt and your trip? You know, what do our listeners need to know about what's going on over there and, and maybe what they can do? Other than pray, of course. Yeah, you know. You know, prayer is a, is a big thing for them because they are really faith. Um, you know, like I said, it's really oppressive there because five times a day, the prayer call goes out from all the mob. And, and they're basically speaking this over the people and over the country. Um, and for them, you know, they, when it went out five in the morning, I mean, I was praying on my, you know, for myself. Uh, but I, I took away from that is how much... Um, you know, in the Islam, it's more legalistic. Like you have to pray five times a day. You have to do this. You know, as a Christian, we don't want to get legalistic, but we should do that. We should be praying five times a day, 10 times a day, or all day. Or, or Smith Wigglesworth said, I pray, you know, I only pray a half hour a day, but I don't go a half hour without praying. <laughs> you know, it's something that we should, we, we, we're so free that we're just too free. Mm. And I, I don't know. If we ever get to a place here in the United States where our faith is persecuted that bad, I wonder if we'll buckle under the pressure or if we will have, you know, um, the courage to stand and say, no, I'm a Christian. You know, Mm -hmm. you can persecute me all you want. You can kill me. I don't care. I'm standing for Christ. Uh, And that's what I took away. And I think for your listeners, I really would hope that they would see their own faith um, as something very precious and not to take for granted, you know, get to church, you know, when the people that I saw out there, I really, the, I felt like they were sheep without a shepherd mm. because there's no solid church or pastor, um, because it's, you can't be ordained. There's no ordination unless you're in a Coptic church. Wow. So for us as a minister, they don't, it's not recognized. And so there's a lot of people, a lot of moving parts to the church out there that there's not really a network to solidify and, and keep them 
like a family, like here, you know, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together here. Yeah. Uh, there, they, they don't assemble much mm. because they can't. Yeah. And we have that freedom. So, I mean, Sunday mornings, we should be together, worshiping God, encouraging one another, praying for one another, and being built up in the word. Um, so that's what I would say to your listeners. Amen. Amen. And, you know, isn't that so important in these in these kind of crazy times that we come together as a church, we come together to pray, to support and encourage each other, just like Pastor Artie was saying. Um, so now I want to go to Egypt because this sounds so cool. Um, <laughs> but so, if listeners, cool. if, you know, pray. Maybe you're supposed to go to Egypt too. Maybe uh, you know God's calling you to be uh, to be a, a missionary there as well. So, Pastor Artie, thank you so much for sharing thank your you. story with us. Um, if you want to learn more about Pastor Artie and his church, um, just go to WordAlive.us. And of course, I'm going to give it a plug because it's my my church and I love it there. Um, but wherever you go to church, you know, make sure you go this this Sunday. It'll be a great time to um, to head off to church. So God bless you, everyone. Until we see you next time. Bye bye. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Elevate the Day podcast and are encouraged to read your Bible every day. To help you develop this important habit, we have the Elevate the Day devotional. Here you will find 365 days of encouragement, inspiration, and practical wisdom to strengthen your faith and get closer to God. There's also an Elevate the Day journal to record your prayers and insights as you read the word. Get your copy today at elevatetheday.com or karensalsbury.org. Be sure to tune in every week and subscribe to Elevate the Day on YouTube. You can also go to elevatetheday.com to catch up on past episodes. See you next week.